Hello, my name is Michael McLennan, and welcome to Cove Matters, the podcast produced by COVIDAID. Welcome to a special episode. We hosted the first live Q&A for our COVID-19 support community, speaking to charity Absent about how those with long COVID have been severely affected by smell disorders. We discovered more about how it impacted people's lives, as well as getting their advice and smell training and how to address issues. We also fielded questions from our COVID-aid community. I hope you enjoy our chat. I'll be back afterwards with more about both Absent and COVID-aid. Hello and welcome to our first COVID-aid live Q&A. Uh, we're going to be hosting regular events on COVID-related issues on our new COVID community platform. And we wanted to start off with a subject of great relevance to those with long COVID. Um, I'm delighted to be joined by Sarah Oakley, the Executive Director of Absent, the UK charity supporting people with smell disorders, uh, something which has been a prevalent symptom of long COVID. Um, So hi, Sarah. To begin, it would be great to hear a bit more about yourself and your role at Absent. Yes, I came on board uh, with Absent was um, in the middle of the COVID uh, pandemic. Uh, so it was a real baptism by fire. Um, Absent was uh, set up as a charity back in 2019. So we were already there on the ground. Um, and smell disorders through um, viral loss, uh, but also things like uh, head injuries, um, nasal problems, um, been around for a long, long time, but just not the interest in them. Um, but that that meant that absent was there to help people when they started having questions about what's happening to me here. Um, so it, it's been great to be able to uh, put people's mind at, at rest and to be able to provide them with trusted information um, in a time where nobody really knew what was going on. Mm-hmm. And for those of us who don't have so much awareness, what type of smelling disorders are there? Um, So it can vary um, across a whole spectrum. Um, Anosmia is total smell loss. Um, So you really don't smell anything at all. Maybe detect tiny little whiffs of things, but to all intents and purposes, you you don't have any smell. And consequently, probably don't have any taste either, because what we know as taste is actually flavour, which comes from what we smell. So that's usually what people notice first, and they can't taste anything but that's all to do with their, their sense of smell. So anosmia is, is where you completely lose your sense of smell. Um, and then hyposmia is um, a not so good smell. It's, you know, it's not, not at uh, the, the gold standard of smell, but you can smell some things, you can taste some things, uh, but it's not very um, reliable. And then we have a, a strange condition called parosmia. Um, and this is often happens as part of the healing process. But this is where smells become very distorted um, and quite often uh, very disgusting. So what you usually see as something enjoyable, perhaps your morning cup of coffee, will actually trigger those, those feelings of repulsion in you. And that's parosmia. Um, and then people might also experience phantosmia, which is smelling things that they know aren't there. Um, and quite often this is reported as a smell like cigarette smoke or burnt rubber, those kind of things. Um, they tend to be short lived um, and, and quite obviously not in that environment. Um, but uh, it's something that people will experience. Mm-hmm. And in terms of these types of smelling disorders, when did Absent first notice that people who had had COVID-19 were also experiencing this type of altered sensing? Yeah, well, as I say, um, smell loss from viral 
causes has been around as long as we've been having viruses. Um, so it was only really when people started coming into the Facebook group in March saying, oh, you know, I had this, this strange thing, felt a bit under the weather. Now I can't smell or taste anything. What's going on here? Um, and they started piling into the Facebook group. Um, and we suddenly realized, I think it was probably around the 20th of March, um, that we needed to, to set up a, a separate group for them. So there's the the absent COVID-19 smell and taste loss group. Um, because although we understand a lot about post-viral smell loss, this was a, a, a whole new experience for a large group of people. So we wanted to be sure that people were able to get the, the support that they needed tailored to their, their needs. Mm -hmm. And can you tell us a bit more about that community and then also the research that you've been doing into the subject yeah well when we look into um treating smell disorders there's no there's no medicine there's there's no treatment that you can get from the doctor uh, there are smell training which um, we'll go into a little bit more i hope it, it shortly um but also just that um connection with other people who are going through the same sort of experience is really important so this is why we had the facebook group before covid um, so that we could give people that opportunity to, to interact with others um, that were going through the same sort of things. And that also it gives you some confidence in what you're experiencing. You're not going mad, you're not alone, um, but also not having to explain to everybody the impact that this has on you, because it's quite, um, it's, it's quite life-changing, really, when you can't taste anything, when you can't smell anything, you don't interact with people in the same way because you're not picking up those same sort of signals with them. So um, to be able to come together and have that peer support uh, was really important. And with that community, um, what are the, some, some of the main areas of difficulty that they've identified? Um, well, first of all, people coming in just not understanding what's going on for them. Um, and they will um, talk about things like uh, this phantosmia, the, the cigarette smoke or the smell of burnt rubber. Is that happening for anybody else? Um, they'll talk about how everything was normal and then it was like a, a light switch being switched off um, and suddenly they couldn't taste or smell anything. Obviously, people are saying, how long does this last? Uh, you know, is this is this permanent? Am I going to be like this for the rest of my life? So to be able to answer some of those those questions um, so that people knew that they they weren't, um, you know, suffering anything more sinister um, it is really important. Um, but what we found um, is a sort of pattern of COVID. And this has come out of this Facebook group initially and then other communities that, that we have online like the absent network and what we see is a pattern where um, people will lose their sense of smell and taste through covid now most people 90 percent of the people that lose smell and taste will get it back normally and naturally within two to three weeks there's nothing to worry about and that is the majority of cases that's nine out of ten people but for that one out of ten person for whom it doesn't come back it's likely to be a long haul because uh, what's happened is in your nose the olfactory neurons the, the things that sense the odor molecules um, have been affected by the virus um, and the cells around them have been attacked by the virus and so it's all a bit sort of melty and and not working very well at all and that's why you can't smell anything now the good news is that all of these cells in your nose are designed to regrow so they are 
growing back. Um, but it's a healing process um, and it's something that's, that takes time. And we find that in some cases it can be two or three years, although we find a lot of people will get a good sense of smell back sort of six to 12 months later. But it's not a quick thing. It's a healing process. So what we see with COVID in particular is that people will lose their sense of smell completely gone. Um, and that might be four weeks, six weeks, a couple of months, and then it will come back and say, oh, great, everything's good. And then almost as suddenly this parosmia kicks in. So this thing where common smells, people report coffee, garlic, um, baking bread, roasting meat, frying meat, really common smells suddenly trigger this um, intense disgust response in you. Um, and it, it really, it makes some people actually physically sick. It's very difficult to cope with, especially when you don't understand what it is and, and where it's coming from. Now, the good news is it doesn't last forever. Um, and in other viral conditions, it's been seen as a sign of recovery. So it's good news. We think it's these, these neurons kind of regrowing and, you know, but they're a bit young and fresh and they need to rewire. Um, so it's that process and everything's a little bit wonky while that's happening. Um, but if you're not expecting that, again, it, it's, um, it's, it can really, really throw you and it can physically affect what you can eat as well. So that's um, been a big problem for for lots of people just when they should be taking nutritious diets to, to help their recovery um, they're finding that there are some things that they simply cannot um, stomach so it, it's, it makes it life tricky really does mm -hmm. and then do you find i was really interested that recently and when we were speaking online that uh, one of my friends actually suffers from kind of a smell disorder uh, but he hadn't told me other friends because he hadn't thought it was something worth mentioning, despite the fact that actually, when I, I spoke to him about it, it's obviously had a big impact in his life, including the intimacy of shared experiences. So is that something that's common to people experiencing this? Yes, lots of people um, don't want to make a fuss or just find that other people don't understand. Or um, quite often the response is, oh, well, you're lucky you can't smell anything, you know, the smelly socks and all those jokes but it actually it really is very disorientating when you can't smell anything um it's been described as living behind glass you can see everything going on around you but you, you can't quite get that interaction and all those cues that we pick up um we use smell for um danger uh, signals as much as anything you know smelling gas or food that's off um unpleasant environment you know where where rubbish has been left around those kind of signals that says that you know it's not healthy to be here we lose all of those those triggers but also the more subtle stuff like um the smell of your partner or your family those familiar smells that you find naturally comforting without particularly registering so you know living without that kind of uh, those cues and, and those those signals coming through um is very disorientating and um it can be really isolating this is something that we hear a lot from people they just feel so isolated by what they're doing uh by what's happened to them so again the online communities um help combat the, those feelings of isolation 
And then as well as the peer support, you mentioned smell training. So yeah, tell me more about yes. smell training. Okay, so so there, there is no um, medicine currently. There's, there's nothing that helps this healing process. It's just as if you break your leg, your leg has to heal. So your nose is healing. So there, there's nothing that, that um, can particularly um, help this from a medical point of view, but smell training has been shown to do that. Um, there's been lots of studies, more than a dozen studies um, in the last 10 years where smell training, which is essentially taking a, a, a little jar of fragrance, um, it could be an essential oil, but it, it doesn't have to be, it's something that you might recognize. Um, and you take little bunny sniffs um, and you do that twice a day, every day. And it probably needs to be done for about three or four months. So it's very simple to do, but it's about getting into the habit of doing it because you have to do it regularly, like physiotherapy. So if you broke your leg, you'd be given some exercises to do every day. Smell training is the same sort of thing. Um, and it is a long term commitment. It is it is three to four months to, to start seeing a, a difference. But all the studies have shown that it does make a significant difference to recovering your sense of smell if you can do your smell training on a regular basis. Um, so I think one, one study shows that you know, a, a third of people, um, one in three, will recover their smell naturally over three to four months without doing anything. But that number significantly goes up. Two out of three are going to get their smell back more quickly um, if they do smell training. So it really is worth doing. Um, and that it doesn't do you any harm either. Um, so even if uh, for some reason it's not going to work for you, uh, perhaps because of the nature of your, your smell condition. Um, just give it a go anyway, because it, chances are it will significantly help. So that's what we recommend. Um, and there's lots of uh, videos and information about that on our website at absent.org. Um, mm -hmm. so, as I say, it's very simple to do. The, the trick is to be able to do it twice a day um, and keep that habit going. Yeah, I was about to ask uh, the best way of getting started, but I think you just answered that there. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes, you can You can buy the smell training kits. You can make your own. You can even use um, the things around the house uh, just to get you started. You know, things that you're familiar with, like your shampoo, for example. You know what that smells like. You might not be able to smell it. Um, but if you are taking those little bunny sniffs for about 20 seconds and thinking about that shampoo smell, thinking um, you know, what it feels like to wash your hair. You're strengthening that pathway between the nose and the brain, uh, which means that you're going to smell, uh, recover your sense of smell much more quickly. Fantastic. And now I'm going to uh, ask some questions from our community. Yeah. And if anybody on uh, the call wants to ask anything extra, uh, do let me know. And I should also say a couple of questions are from people who are on the call. So if they want to um, chip in or ask follow-ups, then please feel free to do so. Um, so yeah, our first question is from Roman, and she says, uh, experiencing changes, changes in smell, uh, sometimes not being able to smell, and other times being able to smell only certain things uh, seems to crop up now and then. Uh, please can you explain why this happens and if it's common in long COVID? Yes, um, it's a really common pattern. We, we see it quite a lot, but we describe them as fluctuations because it, it can come and go. Um, and there's no real rhyme or reason for that. Um, it's a, 
we, we just don't understand why, but we do know that it's really common to, to have these fluctuations. Um, and recovery doesn't happen in a straight line. You know, we, we would expect, you know, if you're smell training that each day or each week, you're going to smell a little bit more, but unfortunately it doesn't happen that way. So you're gonna have some good days and then you're gonna have days where you, you feel it's all gone back to square one and you're never gonna get a sense of smell back. Um, those fluctuations are perfectly normal. Again, when you're not expecting it, it can be a bit distressing, but um, we see this up and down recovery pathway um, all the time. So yeah, fluctuations are a normal part of the experience. Mm -hmm. I think earlier you also mentioned about how this happens with other viruses as well. And it's interesting, um, does it happen as often with other viruses or has there been a special kind of link observed with COVID and with long COVID? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a, a feature of COVID. I mean, when you're looking at the um, research literature over the last 10 years, there have been literally a handful, half a dozen studies um, published into this particular aspect and then you look at 2020 and, and 2021 and we're over 800 already it's you know it's it's um really something that that's um been very closely associated with covid but that's because covid is something that we can see we we see the effect whereas mm -hmm. other viruses that have gone before we haven't perhaps been so widely aware of um, the particular strains or the particular um, sources of those viruses. So we've not been able to make that clear link between a particular virus and losing your sense of smell. So we just don't know. Um, but what's probably happening is some people are, are, are just more susceptible to, um, to losing their sense of smell um, post-virus than, than others. And, and again, why, why that should be, there's so much more research that we need to do there. Yeah, and it seems to be one of those things where I guess I hope is, you know, from this really challenging situation that there can be more awareness around like smelling disorders and those types of things, especially when people are experiencing that. And I think, was it Piers Morgan? I've definitely seen some celebrities and some other people, prominent people talking about this now, which is good. Yes, and no, absolutely. It's very much in the, the public consciousness. I mean, when Absent first started out, one of our biggest challenges was building awareness. Um, and that was all, all changed around um, in March and April of last year. Um, so people are, are very aware of, of smell and, and more of the impact as well. So in research terms, understanding what's going on with the biology in the nose, that's a longer term um, project and, and understanding the, the biological effects of this virus on people will be unpicking for many, many years. But what we have been able to see very quickly over the last um, 12 months and a little bit longer is the impact that it has on people's lives, which hadn't been recorded before. So um, we know, as, as we talked about earlier, this sense of isolation, um, but people not being able to access professional support because um, it, it's just not enough was, was known about it. Um, but in particular, the effects on eating, I mean, that, that really is the, the, the thing that changes people's lives. Um, we hear people talk about the, the impact on their social lives. You know, <laughs> the thought of going out uh, to eat with friends when you don't know if something might be brought to the table that that makes you physically sick, that that's that really starts to affect the way that you interact with people. Um, so we see a bigger impact on people's social lives. 
the social aspect of sitting around a table in the first place and sharing a meal together um, and that shared experience that people are missing out on quite a lot. Um, so, yeah, it's not just physically what, what you can eat. It, it's the experience of eating as well that people have um, recorded as uh, yeah, a significant impact on their life. It, it really does affect the mood and your mood and the way that you interact with people. Yeah, and I think I read recently about um, a chef who'd lost, I think it was his uh, sense of smell, which given his professional circumstance, I guess it can have that also uh, work impact as well at the same time. Yes, absolutely. I mean, you think of chefs and sommeliers um, whose nose is their livelihood, really. Um, but equally, you've got a whole um, range of people, uh, particularly in the, the care um, community um, for whom their nose is really important. If you go, if you're working with a patient um, and you can't smell um, aspects about that patient, whether they're unpleasant or not, you're again you're missing important cues um, for your work. So it, it really can impact the way that you go about your job um, as well as, as as well as your daily life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And our next question is from Kerry, and she asks, uh, Pantosmia is a common feature in long COVID for me. It was smelling cigarettes and burning fires. For others, it was smelling bleach. Uh, could you explain how and why this happens? I wish we could. Um, we, we really don't have um, the depth of understanding into phantosmia at the moment that we would like to. Um, it is something to do with the way that the node or the brain is receiving the signals um, through that olfactory system, but exactly what goes on there, we just don't know. Uh, but yes, as you say, it is really common. Um, people report it all the time, and, and sometimes it's not even a smell that you can describe. It gets labelled that COVID smell uh, because it's just a, a very alien smell that, that, that you, you've not encountered before and, and you couldn't necessarily put a finger on. Um, but yeah. Sadly, it is, it is very common and, um, and hugely disconcerting because if you can't see the source of it, um, you just don't really know what's going on there. So. Of course. And in, in, in terms of that, um, how and why, then would you say that with research that there's maybe been a lack of research? And I guess, would that be something that I absolutely would like to see more of and then try and investigate this? Yeah, yeah, very much so. I mean, the only way ultimately that we're going to be able to help people with smell and taste disorders is by finding a cure and research is what gets us there. Um, and obviously there's, there's research going on um, into how the human olfactory system works and how it's affected by things like viruses. But there's also a lot of research going on into the impact on our well-being um, and, and the way that we communicate with our surroundings um, as a result of smell. So you know, both, both elements are really important because until we have the research that demonstrates that there is a problem, um, then we can't start to address the problem. So there's a long way to go. There's a lot to be done. Uh, but research is the only thing that's going to get us there. And the final question uh, at the moment, if there is any other questions from anybody else, do let me know. But the final question right now is from Sarah. And she asks, uh, I have experienced distorted smell and often taste as a result of long COVID. I believe as a result has caused me to lose weight. Is this something that can happen? And if so, is there anything that can help in this respect? Yeah, but we hear um, people 
having some quite dramatic weight changes as a result of what they can and can't eat. Um, so for some people, if you can't smell anything, your appetite just disappears completely. And um, you know, weight loss is, is very common. For other people, um, you can't get the satisfaction because you're not getting that, that taste that you're looking for. Um, so they start to turn to things that are perhaps more salty or sweet. Uh, because those elements of true taste that happen in your mouth um, tend to be there, even if you can't smell or taste the flavours. Um, so that sort of satisfying the, the need for saltiness or sweetness um, means that some people are, are eating more and more of the wrong things. Um, so that leads to weight gain. So this is this is a, a real um, problem consequence of having this altered eating condition is that your, your diet is severely infected and, and that's impact on you is quite extreme. So there are a few things to do. If you can't taste anything at all, then you, we encourage people to think about looking at the rest of their senses to enjoy a meal. So the colours on the plate, the plates that you use, um, you know, the, the setting at the table, um, those visual cues that, that make things more pleasurable are really helpful and then think about texture um, think about crunch or smoothness think about temperature um, you know hot cold just to shake it up a bit so you, you've got more of um, a sensory input um, than just taste alone so that can help um, but basically it's making sure that you eat um, regular meals um, even if you don't fancy it um, with parosmia that's a little more complicated because what we call trigger foods, so those things that create the disgust response, are found in a, a, they're, they're, um, compounds of molecules that are found in lots of different foods. So the same thing will be found in onions as it is in um, garlic, as it is in coffee. Um, so you, you're not, not quite sure where it's going to come from. Um, so there are lots of different foods that you might try that you really can't palate. Um, there it is about understanding what your triggers are um, and working with that. At the very beginning, it's really tough to do, uh, to manage. Um, and so sort of bland foods, cool foods are the best way to, to go forward in the early days of parosmia when, when you really can't stomach anything. But you'll find that keep experimenting because some things will be good some days. Um, and what you were relying on last week unfortunately will change this week so it is about um, experimenting taking little portions um, again foods that are cooler are usually more palatable because that that um, reaction of heating food is something that triggers those um, compounds that can can be triggers for you so cool foods are often helpful um, and and just you know keep experimenting um, there's some debate about whether to push through or to avoid things that, that cause triggers for you. And we would always say, particularly in the early days, don't force yourself. You, you just need to get in um, some basic calories, which could be in the form of a, a, a flavorless nutrition shake or, or even ice cream. And just get in some calories to, to get you over those tough few days and you will start to, to find things that you can tolerate better um, and then as, as time develops and you become more confident about what you're eating and what your response is going to be then yes you can start um, 
pushing through. So, so take your cup of coffee and the first sip might be really horrible and the second sip might be not so good either. But by the third sip, you're getting used to it. And so you, you start to um, reconnect with your coffee and enjoy that um, that caffeine experience um, once again. But it's slow steps. It's There's no roadmap for it. It, it really is. Um, be aware of your own body and your own responses. Yeah, thanks. Thanks so much for those answers to our questions. And um, thanks so much for joining us. Um, to end with, it would be great to find out more about your plans for the future and where people can find out more about the work you're doing and become part of your community. Yeah, so Absent um, is here to provide trusted information on smell and taste disorders, not, not just COVID-related um, disorders, uh, Brain injury, for example, is quite common, uh, smell loss and um, some signal conditions. So we are here to provide the trusted information, which you can get on our website. We're a community and we learn from each other. So, um, for example, in our absent network at the moment, um, which is free to join, there's lots of recipes going on. People are sharing what's working for them. Um, so that's really helpful. Uh, but also that validation of, of what you're going through. You're not alone. Um, you're not making it up. You're not making a fuss. This is really happening to you. And it's a, a chemical reaction that, that you can't control. It's, um, it helps you to get people through. Um, it can be quite, uh, quite distressing and it can get you down. Um, so to be able to speak to others who are going through it, that's really important. So we facilitate that peer support as well. But also um, research is really important to us. So it's involving our community in research. Um, so, you know, there's various papers that have been published over the, the last couple of years where our um, absent community um, has shared their experiences that have um, informed researchers. So that's really powerful. Um, but also people taking part in things like surveys um, or trials that are going on. Uh, that's really important too. So, so providing the, that link between the research community um, and those people who are actually going through it is really important for us. Um, and we'd just like to raise a lot more money for research so that we can move things on much faster because uh, this is real, it's not going away and it's, it's, um, it's a huge impact on people's lives. So, so we'd like to be able to change that very much so. Thanks so much to Sarah for her time. For more information, advice, and smell training from Absent, you can visit their website at absent.org. That is absent, A-B-S-C-E-N-T, dot org. If you haven't heard of us, COVID Aid is the UK's national charity dedicated to supporting all those significantly affected by the COVID-19 pandemic. We'll be hosting more live Q&As, as well as providing advice, information, and support. So please visit covidaidcharity.org. That is covidaidcharity.org. And you can join our community at community.covidaidcharity.org. We'll be back soon with another episode. And until then, please take care.